Hello everyone, my name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. So normally, I don't do like true crime heavy murder stories per se. I mean, I have covered certain serial killers like Israel Keys, but in general, that's not my thing. I'm not like the true crime chick podcast situation. There's other chicks that do that way better than I could. If you're looking for one, go check out one called Morbid. I like randomly found that podcast on Spotify one day. But those two chicks bring it. They fucking break down. They tell some great stories way better than I could. So go check them out for true crime shit. But having said that, I came across this case today. And it's actually like kind of old. This all happened back in February of 2011. So it attracted my attention because all these headlines were saying, Satanic murderer, satanic murderer, killed his mom because he's a Satanist. So I was like, oh damn, here we go. So I like looked into it, read a bunch of articles. There's actually a podcast called Juror Number 8, and it's done by Matt Walker and Stephen Glickman. So apparently Matt Walker actually got selected to be a juror for this whole case. And I just, it's like a series of like six or seven like individual podcasts, but it totally covers the whole process. So that's where I got a lot of the information from today, as well as random like CBS articles about it. But I'm just going to tell you about the whole thing. And I'm going to tell you why I don't think this was like Satan fucking ritual bullshit like that. So sit back and get ready for this. So Moises Moraz. Espinoza, and I'm just from now on, I'm just going to say Espinoza when I'm referring to him. He basically confessed. He walked in to the police in Huntington Park, California, and just completely confessed to killing his mother. So check this out. This is according to the LA Times investigator who searched the scene and actually found the body. And it was horrible, you guys. Put on your big boy and big girl panties for this. So the investigator found the body of 42-year-old Amelia Espinoza. She was skinned and cut into pieces with a circular saw, with organs removed and chunks of skin and flesh stored in the freezer. So on juror number eight, Matt Walker talks about having to see pictures of this crime scene. And he describes some of these pictures, and they were graphic as fuck. Like, he says he's not going to forget any of the stuff he saw during this trial. But just check this out. It gets even worse, okay? That's just the tip of the fucked up iceberg, okay? So, slowly the details started to come out. The grisliest, well, some of the grisliest, were. His mother's head had been cut off. He removed her skin, the muscle. He plucked out her eyes and pulled out all of her teeth. He wasn't even done there. At that point, he decided to carve two upside down crosses into the skull and just decided to go, I'm going to go stash that in my backpack. Like what the actual fuck is going on here? There was a coroner's report about it and the coroner said she died of asphyxia and neck compression. Which later in the trial, Matt Walker describes a little bit more in detail that Espinoza went and got a fucking, like, an electrical cord. And he used that 
to strangle his mother. And the coroner, like, they were talking about how long this shit takes if you're going to, like, choke somebody out and kill them like that. And it's usually anywhere from 90 seconds, maybe three minutes, something like that. It's fucking, it's up close and personal, okay? And you're right there. So, after he strangles his mother, he decides it's time to mutilate the body. He gets a rotating saw, a circular saw, I believe that's like the actual term for it, and starts cutting her up. And when the detectives like come into this fucking nightmare, there's chunks of flesh and bone and blood all stuck in this saw. So there's pictures of that during the trial. It's just a grisly fucking nightmare. So apparently one of these pictures is of a thigh and it's just the thigh and apparently Espinoza decided to cut the genitals out of his mother. I'm not just talking about like the labia outer portions of the vagina. He straight up went in and took all of her reproductive organs out. How does he fucking know how to do that? A. B. What the actual fuck? But anyway, okay, so the detectives are searching the house. There are body parts in this freezer that's like in the living room. But check this out. The freezer's not even plugged in. It's just like sitting on its back on the floor. Can you imagine the nightmare smell just like going anywhere near that apartment? Because it was a few days before Espinoza went and turned himself into the police. And that's a whole nother shit show in itself. He had actually decided to go out to lunch with his cousin, and apparently his cousin could tell something was off with him. He just, you know, wasn't acting right. So she's like, dude, what's the deal? What's going on here? And he confessed to her that he had killed his mother. So at this point, she talks to him and convinces him that they have to go to the police, like right fucking now. And that's what they do. He goes, he confesses, and he turns himself in. From that point, the Huntington Park Police Department get a straight-up full-on confession. And they've sent investigators, they're checking out the apartment at this point, and they find Anton LaVey's The Satanic Bible. So, apparently, that just made the prosecutor think this has got to be some, like, Satanist shit. Because Espinoza also listened to metal. That was, like, the other thing that attracted to me. Because as soon as I opened this story, there's a picture of fucking King Diamond. I was like, yes! What the fuck is this? So, apparently, they're saying because this dude liked King Diamond and liked other metal bands, that this was definitely a satanic ritual killing. They even go so far as to say the date that he killed her, which, February 2nd, 2011, They were saying that, like, corresponded to, like, quote-unquote, satanic holidays. Apparently, it's, like, the halfway point between the winter solstice and the autumn equinox. Some shit like that. So, they were trying to connect it that way and connect it with the music. I felt like it was, like, 1993 all over again. Like, why do we even fucking care about this guy's music? Oh, and random side note, speaking about music, fucking Mark Zuckerberg is a lizard, Facebook boy has, like, deemed the band Burzum dangerous. So if you, like, try to get a page there or try to go to them, you get warnings because this is, quote-unquote, dangerous music. I was just like, dude, Tipper Gore, are you fucking chilling with uh, Lizard Boy over there? What is going on? Why are you trying to, like, do the parental advisory Facebook style? Fucking kills me. But anyway, back to Espinoza. 
So for whatever reason, the jurors were never actually allowed to hear that confession, like the recorded version. The detective that took the confession did testify about it and, you know, talked with the defense and the prosecutors. Everyone was allowed to question him and everything. But for some whatever reason, they never found out why the confession was not part of evidence. So while he's in jail awaiting trial, this dumb motherfucker decides to get an upside down cross tattooed like on the back of his fucking ear, like that little spot on your neck right behind your ear. Hella smart, right? So the prosecutor also uses that to say this guy is satanic. This was a satanic motivated ritual where he killed his mother and dismembered her and did all this crazy shit. I just, I don't buy it. I just think this motherfucker was next level crazy and he snapped. It's like this shit, this crime was so fucking heinous. You don't even need to add those extras because that's some crazy ass assumptions you're making about his music taste and his dumbass reading. So I don't know. The shit was grisly. He fucking confessed to doing it. All the evidence was at his apartment. I don't even understand why that was presented. And apparently, according to Matt Walker, a couple of the jurors like were actually buying into the satanic angle. So, and apparently, this check, this fucking blew my mind. They weren't allowed to even like vote on insanity, anything like that. They only had the choice between first degree murder, second degree murder, or not guilty. That was it. So, and the, you know, the distinction between first degree murder and second degree murder is premeditation. Matt Walker actually described it perfectly because I actually had a misconception about premeditation. I thought it had to be like a plan. You sit there, you plan this shit out for like a day or whatever. But apparently premeditation can literally happen in an instant. It can just be the thought of, I'm going to go kill this person. And then the thoughts of continuing to choke his mother. I mean, that's several minutes. You know how long two minutes is? It's a long ass time. So that's why the prosecutor wanted first degree murder. Of course, you know, at the end of the trial, the prosecutor gives like a two hour closing argument on why this kid needs to be charged with first degree murder and why he needs to go away for life, basically. And the defense, I mean, they didn't even really like touch much on the satanic angle or whatever. And I actually haven't like read transcripts or anything, but according to the juror, Matt Walker, he was saying that for what the defense had to work with, they did a decent job. So, you know, just like one of those kind of fucked position cases. So the jurors are at that point sent to the little jury box to debate what this guy's fate is. And like I said a little earlier, they could choose between first degree murder, second degree murder, or not guilty. So the first vote goes around 10 for first degree and two for second degree. And it has to be a unanimous vote. They can't be all split like that. They have to agree on something. And, you know, they start going all over the evidence again. And by this time, it's time to leave. You know, court closes, what, like 4, 35 o'clock? So they have to come back the next day, which apparently I guess it surprised the prosecutors that they were taking as long as they were. I think they took that as a bad sign. So the next morning they get in and it, one of the holdouts was actually Matt Walker. And he didn't think at first he didn't think there was premeditation in it. And then he, you know, 
the foreman of the jury clarified exactly what premeditation is. It could just be a split second thought. They went as far as getting the court reporter to bring in what she had written down because they wanted to hear the details of when he actually committed the murder. So check this out. Apparently they were in a fight or whatever. She goes in and she's taking a shower. He decides to put on some King Diamond, hell loud, grab an extension cord, walk in there, strangle his mother with that cord, and then, you know, dismembers and takes... How does somebody even know how to take the flesh off a fucking skull? Does all that crazy shit. So that is actually kind of the transcript excerpt that Matt Walker uses to change his mind from second degree to first degree. He thought the act of bumping the King Diamond hell loud and grabbing the cord and literally walking into the bathroom, that was enough premeditation for it to fit the definition of first degree murder. So eventually the other juror that was kind of a holdout changed their mind and also went with the first degree murder verdict. So this is what this fucking guy gets sentenced to. 25 years to life with a possibility of parole. It's like, really? Really? No, this motherfucker just needs to stay there. He is obviously dangerous to other people. So hopefully that whole parole situation, I mean, it's a California jail. This all happened in like LA County. So it's all bad. So like I said in the beginning, I got a lot of this information today from a podcast called Juror Number 8, hosted by Matt Walker and Stephen Glickman. And like I said, Matt was actually on the jury. So you, if you guys go listen to this, it's a little over an hour, maybe two hours. You will get all the juicy deeds. He explains how jury duty works, all the good stuff. So I think it's on Spotify. Actually, I know it's on Spotify because that's where I found it. So go check it out. But back to my original point, I don't think this was like satanic ritual murder. I think this was some kid who has got a super fucked up mind and the prosecutor jumped on it. But that kind of shit takes away from real cases of ritual abuse or satanic ritual abuse. Because like I've told you before, that shit does happen and it still happens to this day. Okay, so total change of subject time. Yesterday, I saw a soldier had been found dead behind the barracks at Fort Hood. And there, uh, there's another girl missing from that place. Fort Hood is the base where Vanessa Guillon was murdered and taken off base. And basically, you know, you guys know that whole story. But it's like Fort Hood can't go fucking six months without somebody being murdered, missing, or a sex ring. I mean, back when all of this went down and Fort Hood was basically dressed the fuck down by the secretary of the army or whatever his position is, they like switched up the management on the whole base. And they're still making headlines. So let me give you some details of what's going on. Military authorities, they're investigating the death of a soldier stationed at Fort Hood who was found dead over the weekend. And I'm getting this information from a station out in Texas called KWTX. And according to their report, an unidentified soldier in the 1st Cavalry Division at Fort Hood was found dead on Saturday behind the barracks. So as of Wednesday, the U.S. Army has identified the victim as 26-year-old Maxwell Hawkins. So at this point, they're saying the incident is still under investigation by the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Division. 
So at this point, they've let the family know, and I'm sure they're grieving and they want answers. And because this is Fort Hood, a lot more people are going to have eyes on this situation. I know I've been trying to keep on, on it. And so like the only information I can find right now is Hawkins was found unresponsive at his guard post on Sunday and declared dead soon after. Fort Hood leaders stated they would release no information on the cause of death due to an open investigation. So Hawkins had previously been assigned to the 1st Armored Brigade Combat Team, 1st Cavalry Division. Hawkins initially joined the Army as a combat engineer in March 2017 and served as part of the 91st Engineer Battalion at Fort Hood since July 2017. He's actually got hell of awards. He has the Army Good Conduct Medal, Global War on Terrorism Medal, National Defense Service Medal, and the Army Service Ribbon. So, as I get updates on this mysterious possible murder, death, we don't even know, I will keep you guys updated. So, talking about the mysterious, I have got to tell you guys about a girl that's gone missing here in California. Now, apparently her sister, Katana Curvin, has TikTok, and she has like 31,900 followers. So, she made a plea to all of her followers like three days ago about her 32-year-old sister that has kind of just vanished, Courtney Bryan. She worked at Patagonia. Bryan was last heard from September 23rd at the Shasta National Forest in Sacramento Valley with her dog, Booch, and that's according to the police. No calls, no texts have been sent from her phone, said her sister. And she wants to have basically have this stuff go viral. She also showed Brian's last Instagram post from the day she went missing, which showed Brian at the Hunt Hot Springs near Big Bend, about an hour from the National Forest. Apparently now, the Reno Police Department have taken over the investigation into Brian's almost three-week disappearance. So her family are saying it's totally out of character. She doesn't just like go bounce out and not get in contact with anyone. And they are super worried. So this is according to authority. They believe September 23rd, Brian went into the Shasta National Forest with her red Subaru Outback and her black and white Border Collie Wolf mix. Oh, I bet that's hella cute. Neither of them been found. The car is MIA. Her and the dog are MIA. I mean, her sister's saying it makes sense that she wanted to get away. She wanted to go check out the forest, get some hike on. But if everything was okay, her sister insists she would have been back by now. She would not let them worry like this. So check this out right now. This is a post on Facebook and it's hashtag find Courtney Bryan. So this is the post. My sister Courtney is missing. She was last heard from on September 23rd. There are no phone records since that time. A report is in with Shasta County Sheriff's Department and the Reading Police Department. Her last known location was at the Hunt Hot Springs. She may have been traveling to Humboldt for work, but no one's sure about that. And like I said earlier, she has her big-ass dog with her. So if you go to this page on Facebook, Catania Curvin, Humboldt County Alert, you can see the missing poster and... I don't know, maybe get some more information on what the hell could have happened. Uh, Redding, what the fuck? Were you guys back in the news? It was too quiet for like three months and you guys got all fucking annoyed. Redding's back up in the mix. What's up, guys? So I'm going to be keeping an eye out on this story. If you guys have seen this Red Subaru or Border Collie Wolf mix, let somebody know. Call the Reno Police Department at 775-334-2175.
even the littlest bit of information may help this case. You never know what can break a case wide open. And this girl has been missing for hella days now and is about to get cold up there in Northern California like that. So I don't know, guys, keep an eye out and I will keep you updated on this case. So now we're moving on to an Instagram story because what would vanish in the Valley be without some bullshit fuckery going on there? So a couple weeks ago, I told you about my latest fucking child porn page that I found and how you're trying to get it banned. Took weeks of fucking multiple people reporting this page and now it's finally off. So up top, lizard boy, thanks for the fucking help. And I was officially demonetized as of Wednesday on Instagram. The next step is my account will be banned. So I don't know. I'm going to have to find somewhere else to fucking spit out some hard truths and hidden facts, apparently. So I was seeing all of these people flipping out about Dave Chappelle and his like comedy special on Netflix. Like I had seen it. I didn't even think it was that crazy. It was like, what the fuck is all this crazy cancel shit going on? And apparently it's like the LGBTQ community fucking not liking him. Like, apparently this is like a thing. They talk shit about him in the media and he talks shit back in his comedy. And it's not even talking shit. It's fucking making jokes. He's a fucking comedian. For fuck's sake, dude, this guy cracks jokes about white bitches all the time. And I think it's hilarious. I'm not going to go fucking get butt hurt and cry about it. Grow a fucking set of balls, people. Like how... How is America supposed to go on as a world leader with fucking people like that that crumble under no pressure at all? Get a fucking grip. Okay, and speaking of pressure, I know a lot of people are feeling it right now. So many people are losing their jobs throughout the country. I'm trying to find a new job now. I can no longer work in healthcare. If I work in any place that accepts Medicaid or Medicare, the feds will withhold funding fucking playing dirty. So what I found was a website called novaxmandate.org. And if you go there, they have a job section and they actually have a shit ton of jobs listed. And none of those employers are trying to force the job on people. I actually have about seven or eight links to different job boards that don't require the vaccine. So if you want that link, go ahead and DM me at Instagram for now, Vanished in the Valley Athena, or you can email me at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com. I got a link to all these job boards where they're not going to force this shit on you. So before I run out of here today, I'm going to tell you about a drug that used to be prescribed to pregnant mothers, which caused the largest man-made epidemic of congenital physical deformities in history. So the drug I'm talking about is thalidomide. So the scale of the consequences of the use of this drug is still very apparent even now. The manufacturer did not test it, for example, for impaired embryonic development in pregnant animals. Nevertheless, the remedy without fear was prescribed to pregnant and lactating women. Hmm, sounds a little familiar. Later, not so much adult patients suffered side effects as their newborn children because a drug was prescribed to pregnant women to relieve morning sickness. You guys, thousands of children have received birth defects. The number of newborns with severe anomalies, according to various estimates, range from 8 to 12,000 babies affected by this drug. Almost half of them did not live even one year. During this period, miscarriages became more frequent in women as well. Hmm. 
So thalidomide was created, according to the researchers, during the Second World War in Auschwitz. According to the official information, thalidomide was synthesized in 1954 by German pharmaceutical company Chemie Grutenhoff. The substance was supposed to be used in the anticonvulsant, but the effectiveness was negligible. The non-barbiturate drug was registered as an axiolytic agent, basically relieves anxiety and fear. It also had good sedatives and hypnotic effects. As an advantage over other agents, the manufacturer noted that thalidomide does not cause sleep disturbances and dependence upon repeated use. So, a new drug and tablets entered the market with advertising slogan, Deep, natural sleep that lasts all night. So, since 1958, it has been named, quote-unquote, the best medicine for pregnant and lactating mothers due to its observed anti-emetic effect. The drug eliminated the symptoms of early pregnant toxicosis, such as anxiety, nausea, insomnia. It was widely used in 46 countries around the world. It's like, why would they even recommend that to women, pregnant women, lactating women? If it was never tested on pregnant animals, like what the actual fuck is happening here? So the drugs were in circulation for almost five years and were sold without a prescription at an affordable price. Hmm. Sound familiar? For example, in 1960, about 15 tons of the drug were sold in West Germany. The pharmaceutical company that made it produced almost 20 million tablets every single month. So soon, thalidomide began to be produced in other European countries. So it just kind of fucking spread everywhere. The first victim of thalidomide is considered the daughter of an employee of the Grutenthal Laboratory. She was born on December 25th, 1956, without ears. Then the surge of congenital physical deformities began to be discussed in medical journals as a real epidemic of phocomelia, which is congenital underdevelopment of the limbs. And it was recognized by the doctors in different countries and was associated with the intake of thalidomide in early pregnancy. An Australian obstetrician, William McBride, wrote in 1961 medical journal The Lancet, Recently, I've noticed that the incidence of multiple severe anomalies in children from women taking thalidomide during pregnancy is 20%. That is crazy. This same year, 1961, they finally withdrew the product from the market. So this pharmaceutical company did end up being taken to court, but the trial ended without a conviction. The victims were only given monetary compensation. This is what the fucking pharmaceutical company put out. This is their statement. We apologize for the fact that almost for 50 years, we did not find a human approach to you, but instead remain silent, said Stoke Grutenthal, director of the pharmaceutical company Grutenthal, to thousands of disfigured people. He literally said they just remained silent for 50 years as thousands of babies were being deformed. These words were spoken only in September 2012 at the opening of the monument to the victims. That was like the first apology any of these people got. I'm sure a lot of them had already died at that point. So the good thing that did come from the thalidomide disaster was basically everybody decided to tighten the requirements for licensing medicines. The reaction to substances was now recorded in various species of animals. Testing was also carried out in vitro outside a living organism. The system for the production and distribution of drugs was put under state control after that point. Yeah, so basically for 50 years, this company told everybody this drug was safe and it wasn't going to affect any fetal development. 
And they lied. They didn't even test it. But go ahead and trust all these big pharma companies now because I promise they care about your health. So before I run out of here today, I have just got to talk to my three top downloading states. California, of course, is back in the lead with Washington in second and Texas in third. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in. Drop me a line if you want. Go to vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com or go to Instagram and search Vanished in the Valley Athena. So I think that is about it for this week. And as I always tell you, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao. Are you lost?